What is good, everybody? Yo, welcome to the Uncensored Christian Podcast, where we help real people with real problems know the real God. Hey, if you enjoy this message, share this with your friends because the gospel is not meant to be kept to ourselves. And there is a link down below if you would like to give. Your gifts really do help this podcast reach more people all around the world. I hope you enjoy this message. Hello, yo, what is good? Everybody, I am so glad that you are here with a brother today. I am so ready to hop into the word of God. I can't contain myself. And we're going to do something a little bit different than what we normally do on these scripture studies. Because normally on the scripture studies, what happens is we'll just go verse by verse and we'll uncover what's going on. And we're going to kind of do that. But for, for this particular passage and for this story, I feel like it's one that we need to read through the whole scripture before we break it down because there's going to be things that you can't understand in the beginning that are really important unless you know the conclusions at the end and this is going to be covering the the story of the woman that anointed Jesus's feet with perfume and and, and wiped his feet off with her tears have y'all ever heard this where the woman rolled up on Jesus she was crying she had this expensive perfume and she washed the feet of Jesus with her hair. For me, this story was like, oh, snap, what's going on? But but this is found in Luke chapter 7, verses 36 through 50. I want to read through the whole thing, and then we can break it down, and I promise it's going to be a lot easier this way. So starting off in verse 36, one of the Pharisees asked Jesus to have dinner with him. So Jesus went to his home and sat down to eat. When a certain immoral woman from that city heard he was eating there, she brought a beautiful alabaster jar filled with expensive perfume. Then she knelt behind him at his feet, weeping. Her tears fell on his feet, and she wiped them off with her hair. Then she kept kissing his feet and putting perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man was a prophet, he would know what kind of woman is touching him. She's a sinner. Then Jesus answered his thoughts. Simon, he said to the Pharisee, I have something to say to you. Go ahead, teacher, Simon replied. Then Jesus told him this story. A man loaned money to two people, 500 pieces of silver to one and 50 pieces to the other, but neither of them could repay him. So he kindly forgave them both, canceling their debts. Who do you suppose loved him more after that? Simon answered, well, I suppose the one for whom he canceled the larger debt. That's right, Jesus said. Then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, Look at this woman kneeling here. When I entered your home, you didn't offer me water to wash the dust from my feet, but she has washed them with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You didn't greet me with a kiss, but from the time I first came in, she has not stopped kissing my feet. You neglected the courtesy of olive oil to anoint my head, but she anointed my feet with rare perfume. I tell you, her sins, and they are many, have been forgiven. So she has shown me much love, but a person who is forgiven little shows only little love. Then Jesus said to the woman, your sins are forgiven. The men at the table said amongst themselves, who is this man that he goes around forgiving sins? And Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. All right. We're about to, we're about to break this down because every time I've, I've heard this story, whether it's preached or there's a commentary or someone's trying to explain it, I've always had this thought in my head. I'm going to be honest with you. I always thought, ugh, she nasty. <laughs> like, like, okay, I know Jesus, the son of God, 
but everyone is subject to some nasty feet at one point or another. And she wiping her hair on his feet on them mugs. Like, oh man, it's so gross. But <laughs> that's what I used to think when I was younger. Um, and, and I just, I really didn't understand this story. I couldn't understand why she was crying when she washed his feet. I couldn't understand what drove her to do this because a, a lot of the original interpretations or a lot of the original uh, sermons or messages that you will hear on this story is that the woman was crying because she wanted her sins to be forgiven. That that she saw Jesus and, and she was crying because she knew she was a sinner and she just wanted Jesus to forgive her so bad that she just couldn't hold back the tears. And I think what I want to do today is I want to challenge that original understanding. And I'm not doing this to just try and, uh, you know, challenge what people normally believe. I'm doing this because I don't think that the text says that at all. I don't think the text gives us enough evidence to show that she was crying simply because she wanted her sins forgiven. On the contrary, I think the text actually gives us very concrete clues as to why she was crying and washing the feet of Jesus with her hair. And I promise you this, that this understanding that we're about to see from the evidence in what we just read is going to give a far more powerful message than what our surface level understanding of this text is going to be. So it's time to hop into it like the normal scripture studies we do. We're going to hop straight into the first verse in verse 36. We're going to read through it and then we're going to break it down. So verse 36, one of the Pharisees asked Jesus to have dinner with him. So Jesus went to his home and sat down to eat. When a certain immoral woman, other translations will say sinful woman, uh, from that city heard he was eating there. She brought a beautiful alabaster jar filled with expensive perfume. Okay, so there's a few things that we need to clear up from what we just read before we go forward. This will help us understand some of the context as to what is happening right now. First thing we need to understand is that this woman knew of Jesus and certainly knew what Jesus taught before we see her crying and wiping his feet. How do we know this? Well, there's a few clues in what we just read. She brought expensive perfume. This is something that is financially important. This perfume is very expensive. And you wouldn't bring expensive perfume to someone that is unimportant or to a stranger that you don't know what, what they teach or what they believe. And it's also important to note the timing. Because in the text, it says that she had heard that he was eating there. And because of that, she brought a beautiful alabaster jar filled with this perfume. And we need to understand the timing of this. The, the text isn't saying that she heard that Jesus was already there eating. And because she heard that he was eating there, then she went and brought the, and brought the perfume. This is really, really important to what we're going to discover here in the next few verses. And to kind of give you an illustration, it would be like, it'd be like me saying, Hey, where is Timmy eating tonight? And you say, he's eating at Billy's. It doesn't mean that he is currently 
eating at Billy's, but that he is going to be. And so this is the setting that we find ourselves. This woman finds out that Jesus is going to be eating at this Pharisee's house. And she has heard of his teachings already. She has heard Jesus uh, preach about forgiveness and about the love that the Father has. And, and she definitely is resonating with this message. That's why she's bringing this expensive perfume. We can understand it as, as she's bringing this perfume to probably give thanks to Jesus, offer it as a gift to Jesus for the forgiveness that she has heard him preach about. The second thing that we can understand about this is that her original intentions were not to wash the feet of Jesus with her hair. I think we can understand that. Um, A few things. One, if her intentions were to wash Jesus' feet, like if that was her intentions— she would have brought water in a towel. <laughs> like she wouldn't have brought perfume to do something like wash the feet of Jesus. And she would have brought a towel, especially since she knew that Jesus was going to be eating there at a later time. She would have had time to prepare. And also, she knew that this was going to be at a house of a Pharisee. And she knew that she was a sinful woman. The way that the that the text describes this and what we and what we find out later in this passage is that everyone there knows that she that she is a sinner. So it would not have made sense for her to go knowing that she is unwanted in that home and doing something as radical as washing the feet of of a rabbi of Jesus. That was extremely socially unacceptable and, and we'll kind of dig into that a little bit later, but these are just some clues that that she was not going there with the intention of washing the feet of Jesus. I think that's really important. On the verse 38, then she knelt behind him at his feet, weeping. Her tears fell on his feet and she wiped them off with her hair. Then she kept kissing his feet and putting perfume on them. And now this is why I read through the whole passage before. Because if we just hop straight in from verse 37, where she hears that he's eating, to all of a sudden, she wiping his feet. It's like, whoa, yo, 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 slow down, girl. Dang, let, let the man eat. Like, that escalated quickly. Like, it just jumped from one scene to something so crazy. But if we don't understand, first, the culture, and if we don't understand the context of what's happening, then we miss the meaning and we are unable to understand why she was doing this. And the reason why I read this whole passage before is because, if you remember, we find out later in this passage that Jesus calls out the Pharisee, the dude hosting Jesus who invited him. We find out that he calls him out for basically being a terrible host. Being a terrible host. He didn't give him water to wash his hands or feet. He didn't give him oil to anoint his head or his hands. He didn't greet him with a kiss. He didn't do any of the customary things that would have shown uh, respect to your guests when you invite them over. And, And we need to understand that this is a big deal in this context. It's a big deal. It may not seem big to us, like, oh, he didn't give him oil, whatever. But in this in this context, it's very important because teachers and scholars, rabbis, all of these people, they were held in extremely high regard in, in this culture. They were held in high regard. So you would have expected Jesus to be treated with high regard here. But that's not what happened. The custom 
at this time is when, when you invited someone over and you were having a meal, you would first wash your hands and then you would anoint your hands with oil. And that may sound weird to us, but olive oil um, in, in ancient Jewish context, it was the soap of the day. <laughs> like, like, you know, a bar of soap today or, or you know, the little flavored uh, grapefruit stuff that we'd be spraying on our hands to wash our hands. That was the olive oil of the day. Anointing your hands, washing your hands was important when you would eat the meal. We find later on in, in some of the um, rabbinic Jewish texts that are kind of like oral traditions for the people in this time, we, we find that you couldn't bless a meal if you had unclean hands. This was a very important thing that you had to do before you could continue on with your meal. And they are willfully and knowingly withholding this gesture from Jesus, as we find out later. And to give you an idea of what this would look like today, uh, imagine someone invites you over, right? You, you may not really know them that well, but you're kind of a guest, right? And, and you're in this town and they invite you over and they got some of their friends there, you know, that they're normal acquaintances with. So you're already kind of a fish out of water. You know what I'm saying? And they invite you over and you knock on the door and no one really answers. You knock again and finally they answer. And instead of saying, hey man, what's popping, bro? How you doing? It's so good to see you. They were just kind of like, hey, the table's over there. And then imagine you sit down and everyone, you know, got food and plates and drinks and, and the host doesn't even offer you a drink. They, they don't even offer you a, a, a plate. They don't even say, hey, man, if you want to wash your hands, the sink is over here. They don't take your coat. They don't do any of these things. And it becomes very, very clear that you are unwelcome. It becomes very clear. That they are wanting to single you out. They are wanting you to be uncomfortable. It becomes very clear the motives that the person that invited you holds. And we can imagine this being the same way for Jesus. These customs that would have been just a normal courtesy of being a good person were withheld from Jesus in this public settings. We have to remember a majority of the Pharisees were constantly after Jesus. They were constantly testing him, constantly trying to catch him off guard, trying to find something that could get Jesus in trouble. So it makes perfect sense that they are making him as uncomfortable as possible. And so it was very clear to everyone there that Jesus was being disrespected and humiliated on purpose. And Jesus had every right to be ticked. He had every right to walk out. He had every right to stand up and say, hey, what you're doing here is wrong, but he lets it play out. In understanding this context, understanding the disrespect that Jesus was given, we can now understand why the woman is doing what she's doing. And like I said before, I, I always had thought that she was, you know, wiping Jesus's feet with her hair because she was just crying for her sins. But we can see from this context that it is far more likely that the reason why she was crying is because she was there right when Jesus walked in. From the second that he was being disrespected by not being greeted with a kiss, which was a custom of that time for rabbis to do. All the way to him not being given water and not given oil to anoint his hands and his head. She would have clearly seen the man 
who preached to her about forgiveness of sins, the, the man that she believed to be the Messiah, the one that she was excited and brought this perfume to go give to him as a thanks. This very man who was preaching a message of freedom to her was being publicly humiliated and disrespected. So you could obviously see how this would have brought her to tears. In this emotional realization, she ends up doing for Jesus what was willingly withheld from the people who should have been offering these things in the first place. She gives Jesus an honor that no one else was willing to give. I want to read through this one more time what she did. She knelt behind him at his feet, weeping. Her tears fell on his feet and she wiped them off with her hair. She kept kissing his feet and putting perfume on them. Her her coming with this perfume, having no water that she, you know, brought with her. She was already brought to tears after seeing the disrespect that Jesus was given. She used what she could to wash his feet, since water was withheld from him. Seeing that Jesus was not even greeted with a kiss, which was customary for rabbis to do as a formal greeting, she decided to kiss his feet. Seeing that Jesus was not given any oil to anoint his hands or his head, she did her best to anoint Jesus with her perfume. And one question I want to bring up, because you may be thinking this as well, is if Jesus wasn't given oil to anoint his head or his hands, then why is she anointing his feet? Why is she kissing his toes instead of kissing his hand or his head? Why is she doing this to his feet? And what we have to understand is that Jesus was reclining. I know in our translation that we read, which is the New Living Translation, it says that Jesus sat down to eat. But the actual translation that that would be um, more accurate is that Jesus was reclining. In the way that these chairs were set up, it was like a U-shape around the table, and they would recline and lean back. And so this is what Jesus was doing. And you have to imagine, this woman's a sinner. Everyone there knows it. And if you just let your imagination just run a little tiny bit wild, you can start to come up with ideas of what she would have done to make herself a sinner that everybody around her knows about. <laughs> like, come on, we all, we're all thinking the same thing. She was probably involved in some sort of sexual sin, whether it was prostitution or adultery, whatever it was, it was something that was, that was major for everybody to know that she was a sinner. So imagine what the scene would look like if this woman, instead of kneeling down to Jesus's feet, something that was accessible, if she would have got up and climbed up on that couch and started getting all up on Jesus, you know, touching his head, touching his hands, it would have been insane for her to do that. So she did what was what was available to her. And, and the feet of Jesus were available to her. And so that is what she anointed. That is what she washed. That is what she kissed. She goes for the best option. And we have to remember that her actions were costly financially and socially. This perfume is expensive. It could have got her a lot of money if she sold it. It could have financially made her more stable than what she was before. And she's using it on the feet of Jesus. 
This also is costing her socially. I mean, think about it. The whole, the whole community already knows that she is a sinner. Yet she does something that is so radical that is sure to get her more negative looks. But she's doing it because she saw that the man that she believed to be the Messiah was being treated unjustly and she would not stand for it. She was heartbroken at the sign of Jesus being treated poorly. You know, there's a feeling of injustice. There's a feeling of anger. There's a feeling of sadness that just, that somehow just overtakes you when you see an innocent person being treated unjustly. It's just a natural reaction that we feel this way. When we see someone who does not deserve punishment, who does not deserve a sentence, who does not deserve this treatment, being treated unjustly and being treated poorly. One thing I think about is the the imprisonment stories that you'll see where people were wrongly imprisoned. They were wrongly sentenced for murder or crimes that they did not commit. And they had to sit in jail for years and decades and decades and their whole life was gone. And you see how sad it is. You see how it affects their family. You see how it completely robs them of a life that they should have had. But they were unjustly indicted and punished for something that they didn't do, that they didn't deserve. They, they, they served a sentence for a crime that they did not commit. Somebody else got the ability to walk free for a crime while an innocent person paid the debt for that that sinner. And the thought that comes to mind is how could they let this happen? Every time I see this, how could they let this happen? How could this system of justice fail so poorly? And that feeling that overtakes you that feeling of sadness, of anger, that something like this could happen. That's the same feeling that we should have when we think about the cross. That's the same feeling that we should have when we think about what Jesus did for us. We have to remember that there was an innocent man who paid for something he didn't do. He served a sentence that was not meant for him. He was deemed guilty while we walked free. That's what Jesus did for us. And this realization should have us looking just like this woman. This realization that Jesus paid for a sin that he did not commit so that we could walk free. This realization should have us falling at his feet. It should have us falling at his feet without a single care for what others might think about us, without a single care for what society might say, without a single care for how it makes us look. With the realization of what Jesus did for us, how he paid our debts, we should look just like this woman. We should be overflowing with emotion and sadness that Jesus had to suffer unjustly for something that he did not deserve. This woman is a perfect representation of how we should be honoring Jesus on a daily basis. And that's what she did. But on to verse 39. This is where this is this is where people start to notice what's going on, right? They might have been ignoring it. They're like, "Yo, what's Jesus doing? This man crazy." But this is where someone speaks up and is like, "Hey, Jesus, 
what's going on, bro? <laughs> like, what you doing? Verse 39, when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he saw everything that was going on. He said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know what kind of woman is touching him. She is a sinner. I mean, man, if you didn't think that what I was saying earlier about, you know, them withholding the, the water and the oil from Jesus to embarrass him. I mean, this is pretty clear. They do not like Jesus. You can see the dislike for Jesus. They were ready to call him out the first chance they got. But we also have to understand that, I mean, honestly, they would have been shocked. They would have been completely shocked to see Jesus allowing this to happen. No self-respecting prophet or rabbi or teacher in this time period would have allowed this woman to do what she was doing, especially with her hair. It, it would have been blasphemous. Like nobody would have allowed this to happen in this culture at this time. One Bible scholar, uh, his name is Kenneth Bailey. He explained, especially in the context of women's hair in this time, he explained how provocative this would have been. He he gave examples of a bunch of different um, biblical texts and um, Jewish rabbinic texts around this time period that that gave a context of women's hair being somewhat sexually provocative. And he he says that women's hair in this time was considered to be sexually provocative. And we have other sources for this. Uh, the Mishnah, which is an oral tradition of Jewish law. Uh, it says this about women's hair. This is really interesting. It says, And who is considered a woman who violates the precepts of a, of a Jewish woman? One who, for example, goes out of her house in her head, i.e., her hair is uncovered, or she spins wool in the public marketplace, or she speaks with every man she encounters. So it's very clear that in this culture, a woman letting down her hair is one that violates the very precepts that a Jewish woman was supposed to follow. And now nowadays it's like, what? No. And that's true because we live in a completely different culture. We have different understanding. But for this culture, a woman letting down her hair was a very big deal. It, it was a no-no. And if Jesus was any other person, he would have been screaming, be like, yo, get off me, girl. What you doing? Like, like yo, chill, girl. What you doing? You crazy. But Jesus didn't do that. He didn't do that. Look at what, look what happens next. Verse 40, then Jesus answered his thoughts. He said, Simon, I have something to say to you. Go ahead, teacher. Simon replied. <laughs> Here's why I say, Simon, run, bro. You finna get flamed, Simon. Oh my good. I feel so bad for Simon sometimes. I feel bad for these people that be trying to test Jesus because you just know they about to get roasted and they just gonna look like a fool. And this is what Jesus ends up saying. Verse 41, then Jesus told him this story. A man loaned money to two people. 500 pieces of silver to one and 50 pieces to the other, but neither of them could repay him. So he kindly forgave them both, canceling their debts. Who do you suppose loved him more after that? Simon answered, I suppose the one for whom he canceled the larger debt. That's right, Jesus said. Then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, he's about to go on here. And here is where Jesus fills in the gaps to what happened at the beginning of the story. Jesus fills in, gives us some understanding of what led up to the woman washing his feet with her hair and crying. This is what Jesus says. Look at this woman kneeling here. When I entered your home, 
You didn't offer me water to wash the dust from my feet, but she washed them with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You didn't greet me with a kiss, but from the time I first came in, she has not stopped kissing my feet. You neglected the courtesy of olive oil to anoint my head, but she has anointed my feet with rare perfume. Jesus calls out their blatant lack of respect and hospitality towards Jesus. That's what Jesus does. He calls them out for what was clear for everyone else. Everyone else saw this happening, but probably no one was even brave enough to say it or didn't want to say it because they wanted Jesus to be humiliated. But Jesus speaks up and he calls out what was obvious to everyone. And this is what's so crazy is the very people who should have been the most respectful. The Pharisees, they knew better. They were the ones who were supposed to follow the law. They knew that in Deuteronomy, it says to love God and love your neighbor, you know, as yourself, as it says in Leviticus. They knew these things. They knew what the law says. And the very people who should have been following the law better than anyone else acted the most out of malice. But here's what's interesting. The very woman who was rejected by those people, the very woman who was not supposed to be doing what the the law was saying. She was the one that honored and respected Jesus the most. It's interesting. I want to also point out that Jesus affirms that the woman was there when this all went down. I think that's really important for us to point out because Jesus says, when I entered your home, look at this woman here. When I entered your home, you didn't do this, but she did this. You didn't do this, but she ended up doing it. So clearly the woman was there when all this went down. And that is why she washed and and anointed the feet of Jesus with her tears and with the perfume. It's very clear. You know, she loved Jesus so much that it didn't matter that she risked the little respect that she had right? It, it, it didn't matter that she was uncomfortable. Obviously, she would have been uncomfortable. Everyone's staring at her. She knows her position in this societal hierarchy. She knows what she's doing is not acceptable to the people around her, but she didn't care. It didn't matter that she gave up such a financial possession of this perfume. None of this mattered. Because what this woman taught us is that she was willing to lay everything on the line. She was willing to lay the little reputation she had left. She was willing to lay her pride. She was willing to lay her ideas of what people may be judging her in the back of their mind. She was willing to lay all of this behind to honor Jesus, even though everyone around her was not willing to do the same. And because she showed this selflessness, because she showed this great love, she was set free. Look how Jesus ends this in verse 47. He says, I tell you, her sins, and they are many, they've been forgiven. So she has shown me much love. But a person who's forgiven little shows only little love. Then Jesus said to the woman, your sins are forgiven. The connection between forgiveness and love is interesting here. If we recognize that we have a ton that needs to be forgiven, we can rightly love God with the large amount that we should be. But if we fall into this trap of thinking that we are good, that we are too good, that we are not as messed up as we really are, then why do we even need to love God? If we walk around thinking that we're okay, 
that we're morally perfect, that we have no sins to be forgiven, that we are walking the straight and narrow, then what point is there to love God? And Jesus is trying to let us know that you have this man, this Pharisee, Simon, who clearly thinks that since he follows the law, that he is in perfect standing, that he has done no wrong, that he therefore does not need to love Jesus the way that this woman does. But Jesus has given us a clear connection between the amount of forgiveness and the amount of love that needs to be given. And he ends with this. The man at the table said amongst themselves, who is this man that he goes around forgiving sins? And Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Man, I hope y'all enjoyed this scripture study. I really enjoyed doing this. The biggest takeaway I want you to leave with is, is the fact that this woman saw that there was a gap in how Jesus was being treated, and so she filled that gap. And imagine if we did the same for our neighbors. Imagine if instead of just turning a blind eye to the, the mistreatment of people around us, imagine if we, if we put aside our pride, we put aside what people might think about us, we put aside all of these things, and we decided to serve people where they were at if they're being mistreated. That's what this woman did for Jesus. She saw her Lord and Savior being mistreated, and she did not care what repercussions were going to come. She was going to give Jesus the honor that he deserved. Man, I hope you all enjoyed this scripture study. Go ahead and share this with your friends and family if you have not already, and I will catch y'all on the next episode. Peace out.